I'm Gary Weber. I am the secretary of the Lawrence Association of Neighborhoods. So I'm something of a unique position to be able to tell you what went on during the last two years in meetings. Um, this came before the Lawrence Association of Neighborhoods two years ago, uh, maybe three, when the different locations were being considered. Uh, there were very strong feelings from Schwegler neighborhood, one of our members, about the location on Stewart Avenue, which is in their neighborhood. They were very opposed to the transfer facility located in their neighborhood, specifically concerning traffic, noise, and all the normal concerns I hear, I'm sure you hear every time you cite one of these transfer facilities. So they were successful in stopping that particular location. It was never seriously considered because of the neighborhood opposition to it. Then uh, a couple more were considered. And uh, when we got to the Billings location, that was the first site that was not opposed by an adjacent or neighborhood that contained the site. So at that point, the building site became the choice of the neighborhood association. Excellent. And, and I'm just so you know, Gary gave us a very detailed rundown of concerns and questions, which he also emailed to me. So we've got that, that we will we'll put as part of the commentary from the last meeting, very thorough, very well thought out. Um, so it's gonna give us you know, some things to chew on and some things to address, um, but very helpful as well. Um, and all things I think we can, we can deal with and address. Um, Gary, I didn't know if there was anything else over and above what you just said that in addition to what we talked about in the last meeting that you might wanna share with this group. Um, Not really. Um, the Lawrence Association of neighborhoods is an overarching group of neighborhood associations. They some anywhere from eight in a, a members to 15, depending on the year. Their major concerns are the welfare of their neighborhoods and all neighborhoods in Lawrence. And they join together as an association of neighborhood associations because they are more powerful and have a stronger voice in the city commission uh, when they join together as an association. So. It's a long running association, at least 20 years. And our meetings are regularly attended by city commissioners and our analysis of what's going on in the city is considered when decisions are made. And so uh, when it came, to, when this discussion came to the LAN three years ago, there was quite a bit of discussion about the various, you know, there was, it was a very strong group who were proponents of a downtown base transfer the way we had it up until now. Uh, many of the neighborhoods felt that downtown should be a primary destination for and focus around which the bus system was was built. And, and a very strong component did not want to see it changed away from downtown. But as the discussion progressed, it became obvious that to have an efficient system, we needed a central hub 
and downtown is not centrally located, not not an efficient location for a hub and spoke system. So feelings changed and we moved toward a, a transit facility and had our discussion and finally arrived on the Billings site, probably because there was the least amount of resistance to that site. You know, there was, I hate to say it, but there was a lot of not in my neighborhood kind of discussions. And, and although I was discouraged by the amount of that, I guess you can't blame people for being concerned about the quality of life in their neighborhood. So those kind of dominated the discussion for about a year. And now we're at the billing site as a kind of a path of least resistance. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and I see we've got Charlie, Brian, and Eleanor on the call. Um, so there's no really scripted um, agenda for today's meeting. This is really an opportunity for everyone to just give us their high-level thoughts, ask questions, tell us their concerns um, about either the um, Bob Billings and Crestline site or the downtown site. Um, because as we go into looking at actual design options and how we're going to use this, these sites and how we can potentially use these sites, it's always good for us to hear your thoughts and concerns. Um, so I don't know if from Charlie or Eleanor, if there's anything you wanted to share with us relative to either of those sites. Could I, could I set a little context, build a little off on what Gary yes. said? And um, <clears throat> only because I think this uh, project has been in the works for so long and, and has been discussed as um, as one site and really through our, our work going into major route redesign and, and thinking about just functionally in our city how transit works, it has um, changed a little bit into that two site model. Um, there is the, the, um, the goal of having a site that includes a building out at Bob Billings and Crestline. So that is the facility site we talk about um, but looking ahead and, you know, we're just the beginning of route redesign. So this is a little, a uh, little bit of a crystal ball, but, uh, there is a, a good chance that we'll still need a fair amount of transfer activity downtown, um, less than what we have today, but, but still, um, you know, just looking along the sixth street corridor and North Lawrence and East and South Lawrence, some, some of those routes or, or routes similar to those, might not make a lot of sense to route through Bob Billings and Crestline. So um, in asking um, uh, Susan and her team and the consultant team to help us with this, we, we kind of pegged this idea of still looking to have five buses do transfers in the downtown area and have amenities for that, actual bus bays and canopies and seating and, and things along those lines. So I guess I just want to, um, set that context and, and uh, really interested in neighborhood perspective on both of those sites or, or one or the other, if you're more passionate about one or the other, but I think they're, it'll be two very different developments with their own set of issues. And, um, and I think neighborhoods will have interest and can different concerns maybe about both. So um, just wanted to maybe lay that out a little bit. Sure. Thank you, Adam. Um, so Eleanor, um, I don't know, are, are you from the Neighborhood Association as well? 
Oh, I think you're muted. All right, there we go. I live uh, on Oxford Terrace, not too far from um, 15th and, Cre and uh, Crestline and so forth. Um, I guess my concern is what is there to do for the people who have to wait for a period of time when they're sitting out here versus being downtown where they could shop a little bit or do other things like that. I mean, there's, there's nothing really out here for anybody to do. They would just be sitting and waiting um, in the, what, in the building, whatever there is. And uh, it would seem that closer to downtown would be better for people to enjoy the main street or getting a bite to eat or doing things like that. So I think it would be kind of boring for people to be way out here, but that was my some of my thoughts about it all. That's a um, really interesting um, item you bring up because we've actually asked ourselves that question as well. Um, and of course, we're we're working, you know, with Adam and his team to look at what those that route structuring looks like, so to see what the frequency is and the waiting periods are. Um, one of the things that has not been solidified in concrete is what goes into that building out there on Crestline. And are there, you know, demands for Wi-Fi and, you know, vending machines and, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, you, we could name all kinds of different things in different facilities that we've seen and done. Um, anything from coffee shops to sandwich shops to, to nothing at all whatsoever, like maybe Wi-Fi and benches. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to explore, you know, today and tomorrow is, what are those issues and what are the opportunities to provide amenities at the proper scale, right? Another thing that I, I did forget to mention is that I don't think in our neighborhood, except for the college kids, that the, the population out here uses the bus very much because most of us have cars and we, we use that. So it would just be um, a few college kids that would use it from, from the neighborhood, but that was another reason it didn't seem like it would be a very useful thing to have it in an area where there is little usage by the local people. I can provide a little, um, just some ideas from my perspective. So they, um, one of the challenges is there's not a lot of bus or transfer activity at that intersection currently. So it's, it is tough to know right now what that looks like before we restructure. Um, I do think there's some opportunities at that site being, uh, you know, stone's throw from campus, having it be a good kind of connection point to and from the university and, and other city routes. As uh, Gary mentioned, being more central, I think it can facilitate some of our timing issues. And um, as uh, Charlie and several of other of us will get into in the route redesign study, um, you know, we'll, we'll be exploring things like um, microtransit, which is kind of on-demand transit service that we don't currently have, but that may serve areas west of that new site in, uh, yeah, in some cases better than, than fixed route might. So I think it's, um, we will have to think about the best way to leverage that location with new service, but I do think there's some opportunity there, even though there's not, as you mentioned, Eleanor, there's not much activity there right now might still be a good kind of node to move in between 
uh, different types of services. We'll give like, these college kids, they like things like shuffleboard and stuff. Right? Let's give them like some activities to do while they're out there. Yeah, pickleball. Right? What's the other one? What's the, what's the frisbee golf? Right? Yeah. Like, oh, like green space out there. Maybe we put in like some hiking, uh, running, you can sprint up and down the hill. It's got some exercise for them, but no, all great points on in all things we're going to be exploring, all things we're going to be discussing with the city and the university, because it is important that when people get to a um, station into a stopping point that they do have something, um, even if it's nothing more than just Wi-Fi um, and some technology that they can utilize to do work or schoolwork or whatever. Um, so we will be addressing that coming up in the next phase of the project. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking more with you folks as well about what we, you know, the recommendations we're making and why we're making those recommendations as we move through the project. This is Gary Weber. I, I wanna thank Adam for reminding me that downtown is not out of the mix, that this is really a two hub per solution and that uh, there will be a number of routes that will transfer downtown. Um, that was, as I mentioned earlier, that was originally where where the attention was is we didn't want to move it away from downtown. So when this uh, combination of routes downtown and routes to the transfer center was proposed, that did a lot toward helping people understand that they weren't going to have to go from their neighborhood near downtown to the transfer center and back to downtown in order to get around. That they could go directly to downtown from a number of sites in the city. And that took care of a lot of concerns that came from all over the city. They, they liked going downtown directly. That was really nice. So I'm glad Adam reminded me that, that that's a component of this current plan and it's an important component. Regarding the downtown facility, there, Adam knows about the problems with the current 7th Street uh, facility. It, uh, things like no crosswalk mid-block, so people cross across uh, Vermont Street, uh, not Vermont Street, yes, Vermont Street, um, with no crossing protection whatsoever, and it's kind of fortunate no one's been injured, and the fact that there's pretty minimal seating, there's, there is a shelter and some seating, but not enough for the normal use of that area, really, especially in busy times, so whatever does design does happen downtown. It needs to accommodate good pedestrian safety, bicycle parking, amenities, shelters, water, all the things that a good transfer facility needs, but just no building, I guess. So we are, we are the neighbors are still concerned that, that our downtown is a really important destination. And as such, our residents want to get there quickly and efficiently. I would say to Eleanor that there is a distinction between a destination and a transfer facility and that downtown is a major destination. It just so happened that our transfer facility was there as well. But in moving some of those routes away from transferring downtown, uh, it's, it doesn't make the transfer facility on buildings a destination so much as a transfer point so that anyone using the bus would go there for two reasons, either to catch a bus or to transfer from a bus. So those, whoever arrives to catch a bus would arrive within 10 minutes of the bus and would simply wait till it arrives. And anyone transferring from a bus 
would transfer within the same amount of time, only a few minutes. So it's really not a destination like, like downtown is. And that's a major distinction between those two transfer centers. And so that kind of answers your question about what's something to do there. It really isn't designed as a place to go to do something. It's designed as a place to transfer or start or end your journey. So good points here. Anybody else have anything to add? I don't know, Adam, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Or Marietta? He chatted earlier that he's here to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm, I, I am interested just if, if there's any other, you know, Gary mentioned some programming things. Those are very important for consultant to understand right now. So to understand that there's a desire for bike parking and water and seating, you know, any other elements that you all can think of that um, you think should be included at either of those sites, now's a good time to be kicking those around so that when we start putting things on paper, we're, we're creating proper space for those activities. This is I, Gary again. Adam, oh, go ahead, Eleanor. I just wanted to ask a question. Um, the old borders building down there where they have thought about putting a grocery store, is that anything available for this kind of a bus thing? So um, in general, in the downtown area, we are uh, trying to evaluate sites that are city owned. Uh, that's a privately owned site. Um, which can add significant cost and complexity and timeline to, to us being able to execute something. Um, so that site has has not been considered for for those reasons. Um, so the a lot of the sites we're looking at downtown are city owned uh, parking lots. That's where where the real estate really exists for us to maybe find a place where we can fit in um, the amount of buses we would need to fit in. Uh, but yeah, that site, I know it's been, boy, it's been talked about for a long time, um, about a, a grocery store at that location. But um, yeah, just due to some of the complexity of us trying to to work with privately owned property, haven't, um, haven't been looking at that site. This is Gary. Um, I, in the previous discussion, I did mention the neighborhood's concern about the Billings transfer facility becoming a focus point for the houseless and that amenities there might be used by people who could camp in nearby woods. Uh, and I will mention that on the downtown facility as well, that because it's adjacent to the library and the library bathrooms are in use by the operators of the buses and our houseless community depends heavily on the bus to get around uh, downtown public libraries. Vermont and seventh has become uh, a place where houseless people congregate. And we have heard in land specifically from the downtown Lawrence association, who is a member of land. We have heard that they consider panhandling and vagrancy and houselessness and all of the things that come with it to be a problem for them. And they have cited the public library and the bus stop there and the congregation of 
uh, house, houseless people around the library as a problem for their, for them. So uh, I don't want to speak for the Downtown Lawrence Association, but I, I will say that they have expressed that concern in LAN meetings in the past. So noted. Yes, and, and Adam, in the last meeting we were in, we had we had a pretty robust conversation about safety and security and vagrancy and you know all the things that come along with programming and planning for new bus stations, no matter where they are within the system. Um, so we'll definitely be working through some of those issues with you. Any other comments or ideas or thoughts? And beyond programming, um, aesthetically, um, uh, you know, things like plant life, I mean, expanding to those types of thoughts, I think, you know, we're, we're ahead of that level of detail at this point, but I think and uh, some of our other discussions, some of some of that has been maybe useful for us to be looking down the road thinking about. There was one thing, Adam, and that was a, about six months ago, there was a protracted discussion about art and its incorporation in uh, bus stops and bus transfer sites. The, the Lawrence has a strong vocal art community and uh, have done some work in East Lawrence with custom benches and custom bus stops. And they, they would like to see that continue when you consider the design of both the downtown and the Billings uh, sites that they, that they incorporate art, local art in a significant way. Yes, there is a component to our scope of work that includes coordination of public art. Shade is nice. Always good to have shade around the bus stop. To, shade is people nice. to Especially in August, stay right? cool. <laughs> yeah, those bus shelters are nice in in the rain, but when the sun is shining hard in the summertime, they don't provide much relief from the heat, whereas shade does. So, I would like to encourage you to include shade in both designs. Good point. Um, it, isn't there um, the Police, the KE police station right across the, the street from <laughs> from this area that you're thinking about, <laughs> which may be good or anyhow, there would be some supervised or at least people there to help if there was any problems, I guess. Just it was just a thought that came up to me right now. It's always good to have the police across the street. <laughs> Anything else you can think of that you might be interested in? One of our Sunset Hill members, I think it was Mr. Douglas mentioned solar and carbon footprint. Same goes for downtown. Actually, a local grocery store in our neighborhood, this community mercantile, recently installed quite a large parking lot cover that was exclusively 
photovoltaic cells, panels, photovoltaic panels. So there's another really nice way to create shade and generate electricity for the, for the facility at the same time. I gotta tell you, Gary, my colleague Taryn and I spent quite a long time in the Merck yesterday. We were big fans. Yes. Yes, that's. We stumbled upon it. We're looking for grocery store. is very proud of the Merck. It's and the work a really nice place. Yeah, it was very fun. And uh, we we really like the hipsters that were coming out and getting in their El Caminos and driving away. I was like, oh, we're in a college town. This is fantastic. It was our first, it was our first introduction to Lawrence was going to the Merck. So we stopped there before we even went to our hotel. So it was really, really great. Um, Just for your information, that that uh, store began as a cooperative endeavor in a little thousand foot square foot store in the middle of Old West Lawrence neighborhood 30 years ago, 40 years ago, slowly worked its way up to a owner, member owned business. And now it's a full size uh, grocery store with a, a satellite store in Kansas City. So it's a success story of decades. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, we knew there must be a bigger story to it because we we walked around. It was it was really uh, it was it's great. It was that, and it's right near our hotel. So we 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 figured out when we visit Lawrence now, which will be quite frequently over the next probably year and a half, we know exactly where to go now for the good stuff. So good job for you guys. Um, it's excellent. Um, you know, all the points, and I, tomorrow, I, um, Adam, I was explaining to the last group that tomorrow we are having a sustainability conversation. So for those who are interested, uh, we will be talking with our director of sustainability at Wendell, as well as a team within Wendell, including our energy conservation team um, and others to kind of guide a discussion on what types of sustainable and resilient um, design elements we could incorporate into the design of both sites to better the community and the environment. So that conversation will start tomorrow. Obviously, it doesn't start and end in one conversation, but it will really start with an ex exploration of what the stakeholder groups would like to see at this facility. And both um, photovoltaics, geotherm, and um, electric buses are, are already under discussion. So I'm um, interested to see where the conversation goes further tomorrow. It's all good stuff. And then um, for the rest of you folks, um, just to let you know, we will be back here in probably somewhere around six weeks time, I would imagine, to present to the stakeholder groups and to the public the ultimate design options that come out of the discussions this week. Um, and they'll be more refined and give you something tangible to really talk about um, and really be able to start to break down and address other concerns or ideas or options. So this is not the last time you'll get to have some conversation before we actually ink the drawings and start to advance the design. There'll be a little bit more time here before that happens. I had one quick question. Sure. Uh, in response to my question about a traffic study, uh, someone responded on the chat in the last meeting that that would happen in the next phase. Is that correct? Yes. Doesn't that, isn't that something of a problem to design and site the transfer facility before the traffic study? Well, let me be clear. So right now we have one site for Bob Billings. Like that, we're gonna put, the facility is going here. Okay. So what we're right now is trying to decide how the buses interact with that site and how the people interact and how the cars interact, right? And then yes. once we figure that out, then we'll figure out where the building goes and what it looks like and how pretty it is. And maybe even how big it is, right? So, 
what will happen is we're going to have three options for that, for that Bob Dylan site. And each of those options could potentially impact traffic in a different way. You know, whether we're ingressing and egressing on one side from Crestline or on and off of Bob Billings or how that looks from how the site actually operates is really going to drive the outcome or the issues associated with a traffic study. Once we pick the ultimate option that we're going to go with, which we still haven't figured out what the selection criteria is going to be completely, but once we figure that out, then we will study the impacts of that site design. How the buses interact with the streets, how the people interact with the streets, and how the cars interact with, with the station. So we'll study that traffic impact associated with that actual design. And then we'll address those issues. So where we see risk for vulnerabilities, we will go and address those issues. And, you know, I don't think any of us on the technical side believe that there are any um, fatal flaws in that site. You know, this is not the first bus station to go next to a four-lane highway. You know, there are things, you know, is it, you know, it, it, are there going to be challenges? Yes, but there's always solutions to challenges um, as well. So first we have to figure out what's going to go there and how it, how it really interferes or inter interfaces, I should say, with that highway system and Crestline, both, because Crestline's on, you know, on a large incline, which brings its own challenge, right? Um, once we figure that out, then we'll start looking at the traffic impacts. It'll be, it'll be transparent because it is what it is. There's no, you know, we're not going to be able to make the issues go away, right? But we can, we can always mitigate them though, right? Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yes, I was, I was concerned about the traffic because there's a lot of um, movement along Bob Billings there. Um, and as people have pointed out, People coming from the West, even from Topeka, you know, use that as a way to get on campus. And so there is a lot of traffic. And over the last few years, it's just gotten ferocious um, on Bob Billings going both ways. So, yeah, they hustle on that road. I'll tell you, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we expected it because, you know, when we saw it from, the, you know, we did a lot of desktop reviewing of the sites before we came here. So we kind of got a little bit of a flavor for what was going on in the surrounding area. But when we got there today and we drove around a couple of few times ourselves just so we could interact ourselves with the traffic, you know, one of the first questions we asked was, how do you think people would react if we did some traffic calming in and around the, the Crestline intersection? Sounds to me like the community would be all for it. The commuters might not necessarily embrace it so well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a busy high traffic area. So we're going to have to do some mitigation of some kind, potentially. This is Gary. Um, I want to make one more point about biking. Um, that location on Billings may be challenging for bicyclists. Billings is not a good, not a good um, bike lane at this point. There's no bike lane at all on that street. Um, and some parts of Billings have a wider sidewalks, not a shared youth path at 10th E, but when you design it, I, I like a strong focus on how bicyclists are going to get from the facility to the major bike routes in the city. And we have a real good bicycle plan, both for the city and the county and regional. So I know you're consulting that bike plan as you plan for the facility, but getting from that facility to the major bike routes is a important consideration and may 
require a, a significant expenditure in concrete sidewalks or shared use paths. That area is almost like in the valley because there's hills on all sides, very steep hills too. And you're going uphill both directions. I said there, there all was four, all four directions really. Yeah. You know, I was I was very surprised when we got to Lawrence yesterday because you know my niece lives in Kansas where it's very flat. So I just assumed all of Kansas was very flat. And we pulled off of the highway. I said, "This there's like hills here. There's like a lot of hills here." And this morning when we were going on the campus, I was like, "There's a lot of hills here." So it was very interesting aha uh, uh -huh, for us to discover that Kansas is not flat. Because where are you from? A beautiful valley here. Where are you from? I'm from Buffalo, but my niece and her mother. Let's see, where does she live? They just moved here out this way last year. And they live in, oh, I have to look it up. Can't think of where it is. It is north of here. It'll come to me. Um, and of course, they live like on a farm with like, I don't know, 20,000 acres of corn or something ridiculous. So it's very flat where they live. I just assume that that's how old. I have never been anywhere but there. So um, I'll look it up on my... I do want to clarify that, that that section of Bob Billings does have a 10 foot shared use path on the south side um, that will be oh. interacting with our site. And I think it, I was just looking uh, on Google and doing some measuring. I believe it from Castle all the way to Iowa. Oh, super. Is a link that's, yeah, that's you're right. finished. So I was, I was um, mistaken. We'll certainly, you know, yeah, if, if through design any of that would be impacted, I mean, obviously we'd want to keep that uh, if we had to move it or something. I think that's one of those critical spine links that we talk about with the loop and the and the spokes coming out from that. Yeah. Now the sidewalk that's out in front of Bob's Billings that is part of the bike path, isn't it? It is. That's a yes. that's a shared use path. Like yeah, no, that's... yeah. So my niece lives in Sublet, Kansas. Sublet is very flat. <laughs> sublet. Yes, it's called sublet, yes. Okay. Um Anything else, Scott, from you? No. Charlie, how am I doing? Am I representing land well enough? Did I miss anything? You know, I haven't been to many meetings lately, so. But, yeah, from the history, what you described earlier, that seems spot on. Thanks. It's been very helpful for us. I appreciate your time. So is the university giving this land to the city? Is that... What, how does that work? What is, who owns the land that you're talking about? The university, but I can let chime in on. I guess I'll chime in since, yeah, we got some feedback issues, but um, yeah, so the, the land will continue to be owned by the university. It'll be a city owned facility on university property. Um, as part of this project, we'll, we'll be developing a land use agreement with, with KU um, to dictate who takes care of what and who has access to the site and you know um, all, all the details and minutia about how it's cared for and maintained and and responsibilities um, but it will continue to be city-owned 
or sorry, university owned property, city owned building. All right, so it's about quarter to five or quarter to four, quarter to five. Right? Oh, we all reset. Okay, all right. I, mean, I keep looking at all these calendars or uh, time zones on everybody's clocks to see who actually reset theirs and who didn't. So it is actually quarter to five. Um, and I want to be respectful of your afternoons. I know you're all very busy people. Um, but if there's anything more you want to talk about, or if, if you have follow-up questions or comments, you know how to get a hold of Adam. You can certainly, you've got our contact information. You can certainly email us anytime. Um, uh, this is Gary. Which, would you like me to post the information about one of the public input sessions on the land? This serve, there's about 200 neighborhood uh, representatives and neighborhood residents on that list. A lot of activists. So, it, would you like me? I, I'm discouraged that I'm unhappy that I didn't post it. I should have. I, I didn't even really think about it. But would you like me to post it for one of your public input sessions? I think that'd be great. I put in the chat box a link to our project page. At the if you scroll down on that, there's we already have the Zoom links set up for those public meetings on Wednesday, so mm -hmm. you can click right into them. Um, okay, I will post. Way to I will back. post on the listserv those two public input sessions. Yes, please Appreciate do. It. And like I said, we'll, once we have um, dates for the next round of public meetings as well, we'll we'll get that information out to you folks as well. Okay, and if you want to avoid me, you can just one of you can join the land listserv and post directly to that listserv. We, I don't think uh, I, I will continue to act as representative to my name individual neighborhood association and i sent your invitations to the stakeholders meeting at 2 30 to my entire 200 member neighborhood association and we had three people show up so i will continue to do that but if you want to join the listserv you could post directly to that to get more neighborhood sure. input and we'll include we have shocky um, consulting who is one of our consultants on this team they're they're leading the public outreach they're local here to Lawrence. So we're going to ask them to um, to look into getting um, onto the listserv so that they can let your neighborhood association know. You so can we, do that from the LAN website. Yep. Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. And are you familiar with the list of neighborhood contacts on the city webpage? Yes. Okay. Because I think that's where your contact list came from for this yes. meeting. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Good. Okay. Yep. Well, we're always we're always looking for more information, so this is good. Uh, Adam, do you have anything else before we uh, end the conversation? I don't think so. Yeah. As as Susan mentioned, if you think of other things, please don't hesitate to email me directly, or you can hop back on one of the public meetings to talk about it there. But we've got some process ahead of us, so um, just let me know if other thoughts come up. Um, we, we are very much at ideation stage, I think. So uh, it's kind of no idea is too crazy, I think, at this point. Um, trying to loop it all in and then decide what's feasible and um, cost effective. If you got an idea, send it my way. Exactly. Or more money, send it our way, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great to meet you, Gary and Eleanor and Charlie. And um, 
I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you throughout this process. Chris, we should probably show you what we all look like. <laughs> and uh, we're yeah, gonna be in town for, for a couple more days. Great. So, um, you know, let us know if you have any more questions or comments or comments for us. You okay, and Charlie, uh, no. Adam, you came and presented to land. We have a monthly meeting, a monthly Zoom meeting, and Adam presented to that monthly Zoom meeting. But in the future, if you would like more face-to-face -face communication, there's normally 15 to 20 neighborhood officers from various organizations there, associations. So you're welcome to join us and get on the agenda at the land monthly meeting. We'd love to have you attend and present whatever comes next. Excellent. Well, take care, everybody, and we'll, we'll see you soon.